Welcome to the Broker Growth Accelerator, where we discuss how real estate brokers can accelerate their growth by improving their agent recruiting and retention. I'm your host, Jim Turner, and today we'll discuss growth tactics with our special guest, who is a subject matter expert in the industry. Let's get started. Hi, my name is Jim Turner, and I'm the CEO of BrokerKid, and I'll be your host today. Today on the show, we're super excited to have Rob Sutherland, a leader in the real estate recruiting space, who's joined us to talk about his experience recruiting real estate agents. Rob, thanks so much for chatting with us today. So let's just start out with a few questions around your background. So how long have you been in the business, and how did you get into the niche world of real estate recruiting? You know, it was amazing. Actually, back in 2007, I was looking for some work in real estate and looking for maybe a bit of a career change because I'd been running the call center here at the, at the cable company. And and so I uh, became the marketing director for a group of nine REMAX offices. And they said, hey, you know what you should try and do is try and help us recruit somebody to the office. And I said, why would you want more realtors? You know, I didn't understand at the time that realtors were the bottom line of a real estate office. Well, I recruited the first person that I talked to 15 years ago, and now I guess it's just become my permanent gig. And I've got a company now that we've had for 10 years where we work with offices all across North America. Awesome. Awesome. So here at, um, you know, kind of BrokerKit, we're super focused on the the talent funnel of a real estate brokerage. Um, you know, all brokerages in, and really all businesses have two primary funnels, the sales funnel and the talent funnel. And, um, you know, most brokerages we find are super focused on that sales funnel. It makes sense. They came up through sales. But the way you build a scalable business is by surrounding yourself with amazing people, which is really recruiting. Right. And as any kind of business leader, you really need to be focused on really three things, uh, vision, talent, making sure there's money in the bank and a significant amount of your time needs to be focused on talent in any business, but especially in recruiting. So let's just maybe start with the, the top of the funnel, so to speak, right? Uh, and talk about, um, you know, kind of finding those ideal agents, okay? So, you know, this is going to depend on what kind of um, brokerage it is, their brand, you know, where they're located, their their compensation model, um, whether, whether they're focused on new or experienced agents. But let's, let's maybe take kind of new and experienced agents separately because um, many are looking for both. And let's just talk Sounds about who, who's that, who is that ideal agent, you know, for a new agent and experienced agent and how do you find them, right? Like, so let's just, let's just start with the profile first, uh, starting with new and then experienced agents. What should they be looking for and how would they know when they find them? I mean, new agents can be a lot of fun, right? Like that's one of the things even back in the day when I used to be a full-time recruiter and even a lot of our clients today, they've got systems in place where they're, they've got outreach, whether it's by email or by phone, to a list of people who are getting their real estate license who are new agents. New agents can be great because they don't have bad habits and they haven't been jaded by the industry or anything like that. But I mean, one of the fun things about them is you get to cultivate their talents and hopefully retain them for the long term, right? But who knows if they're going to make a deal? You know, a lot of people come to the industry, they're going to sell their mom's house and they're going to sell two condos to their friends. And then where is their business going to come from? And that means they've got to integrate with an office that's got leads, perhaps some mentoring, that type of a thing. And it can be more of a process to get someone like that going as opposed to, obviously hiring a experienced realtor who's already doing business. Okay. So let's talk about it. If you're going to go after those experienced agents, how do you find them? Well, you got to find them on BrokerKit. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I mean, like, you know, we always talk to people that look up people on social media. 
you, you're kind of scraping your social media channels, looking for people that are on there, that type of thing. I think having a good data feed and looking at the agents in your area from the MLS is the best way to go, to be honest with you, right? Sure, you can go on a brokerage website and you can see, okay, they've got 50 agents, you know, 30 of them have got a profile page and 10 of them have got listings. So there's probably 10 people there you want to talk to. Looking at the data from an MLS is much easier because you can go in and see, okay, well, we've got 500 agents in our MLS that are doing between six and 15 deals. And that is the biggest recruiting pool in the industry, really, is people are doing, you know, almost a deal a month kind of a thing where they can survive and they're moving around a lot. Right. And so if you can start targeting those people, they're a lot more, um, you know, effective in bringing them into the office because you can provide them with services where they can grow their business, where they're not already doing 50 deals, which is, you know, someone who's doing, you know, two or three deals a month can be harder to bring over than someone who's just doing one deal a month. And I think that people focus their efforts on targeting people in that kind of profile, they're going to have more success rather than just kind of beating their heads against the wall and trying to recruit the top producers who are going to take so much of their time to bring over, really hit that larger pool of people who are kind of mid-production and see if you can elevate their business by bringing them over. Okay. So, okay. So you, you let's say one of our brokers, they, they leverage, um, you know, MLS data from one of the numerous data sources out there, like a Realytics, Market View Broker, Broker Metrics. They, they can do this manually. They could leverage, a, you know, a technology solution like Broker Kit to reach out, but they could, of course, do that manually with, you know, a spreadsheet and Google, uh, Gmail too. Um, yeah. What, what, how should they reach out to them, right? So they, they have a list of ideal agents, maybe that are in that sweet spot, the middle, middle producers, right? They're not going after the yeah. mega agents because they're going to be nope. super high maintenance. They're, they're not going to focus on new, new agents because maybe they don't have the uh, infrastructure in place to train them and, and get them producing from uh, technology leads and a, and a coaching perspective. So they're going after that, that middle tier, which is, you know, pretty common. They have a list. Yep. Okay. How do they, um, you know, take the list and get to where they're having conversations and appointments with them? What's what's the how would you go about initiating the, the, the conversations with them, getting them up to like where you're having an actual recruiting appointment with them? Yeah, I mean, it starts as simple as 15 years ago when I was recruiting uh, for, for Remax, you know, here in Vancouver. You know, I would ask people questions. You know, the thing is, is the phone is never going away. As much as things get re replaced by AI, with you know, we're going to write newsletters for you and create pictures for you with all this technology. That's never going to be able to call somebody and ask them questions that people will answer. Right. And I always find if you can, you know, let's say you put together a list and you've got a broker kit, and you can identify these people and you start dialing. You know, call them and ask them questions. Don't just call them and try and just jam your pr proposition down their throat or try and make them come over with, you know, some sort of a fee schedule or something like that, because there is no bottom to competing on fees. As we've all learned in this business, that's one of the things you have to not do is compete on fees, compete on value, compete on culture, compete on support. Right. Because if you're not looking at those types of aspects of your business, you're just looking at the money and that's going to create a different type of business than someone who's really cultivating a vibe. And so if you get on the phone, you start calling people, ask them how they're doing. You know, how is the market treating you? What would you do differently right now to to navigate this market that's going to be difficult for a couple of years? What are you seeing in your listings? What are you seeing in your sales? Start asking them bark orders at them. That's my number one recommendation. It's an old sales trick. 
I mean, I'm an old school salesman, really, when it comes down to it. We became an entrepreneur. And that's one of the things I always do. If someone onboards with our company and they want us to do their calls and to, you know, get one of our professional recruiters on the phone, we ask them, all we do is ask them questions. We get them on a meeting and we put them on a Zoom and we record it so that we can see exactly what they're talking about, learn about their business and find out about them. A broker should do the exact same thing when he's trying to recruit somebody. Get them comfortable, get them disarmed by asking them questions. Don't just try and sell them on whatever you've got. Okay. So, so you ask, you know, you kind of do the discovery, you ask them a lot of questions that helps you kind of qualify them. Um, how do you, okay. You've on that initial call, how do you get them, um, on and on the actual appointment? How do you not close them to join your brokerage, close them for an appointment, whether it be ideally in your office, if not kind of like a zoom session, uh, how would you go about that on the conversation once you, you know, as you progress through that call? Yeah, I mean, just go for the ask, right? Hey, is it all right? It's Monday. Do you have time on Thursday to talk to the broker about, you know, what we've got going on over here and how we can help you build your business? You know, we've touched on some things today where I think, you know, if you talk to broker XYZ today or talk to them on Thursday, they'll be able to resolve some of these issues you have and provide solutions for your business moving forward. Well, that sounds great. I'll book an appointment for two o'clock on Thursday. Go ahead and send me the confirmation. And that's really the, the, the long and short of it, I think, when you're trying to really just push people toward an appointment or they'll meet with the broker, find out some of their pain points, find out what they could use help with, and then see when you can get them booked in for a solid appointment. I always find if you can get people to commit, that's great. Because if we get on the phones and, and book an appointment for Thursday and it's Monday, the number one thing I always say to our clients is to send a text follow-up. Even if you hire a service like ours and we book an appointment, great. It's booked in the calendar. They're going to get reminders from Calendly or Acuity or whatever your schedule there is about that appointment. But those are just robotic touches. That's not a touch from the broker. I always find if the broker owner or the manager sends a text to the uh, lead between the time the appointment is booked and when the appointment is, there's like a 90% higher show rate and 90% higher close rate. Because sure, they've talked to someone who's booked the appointment, but the number one touch should be from the leader of that office. And I think that text doesn't need to be anything more than, hey, you know, thanks for booking an appointment with our, our in-house recruiter, Michelle, you know, and I look forward to seeing you at the office on Thursday. Is there anything I can help you out with today? Come in right away with a support style chat up right on the text. You know, you've got them in the text loop. Maybe they're on an iPhone so you can see when they read it. I mean, we all love that you can send red receipts. It's lots of fun. But even, even then, you can still send that text and, and try and get them into more of a conversation because the more you can get them talking about their business, again, the more comfortable they're going to feel with you. And if they've never met you before and they maybe never heard anything about you or you're a new office or a new brand, come in with that support touch right away and, and they'll feel it. Yeah. And I wanted to reiterate, texting is huge in real estate. I mean, it's obviously, I think yeah. everybody, all of our listeners know it's not a desk, desk job and, you know, people are on the move. Um, emails, are. emails are tough to get people these days. Response rates are down, but everybody reads their texts, right? And the response rate's super high. Great way to get people. Emails are great too. And I, I didn't mention that as part of this system, but like even as a company ourselves, we have a lot of subscribers to our newsletter and people will go on there and watch one of my videos or a video from our team. And I love that because we can go in and look at the back end of our email software and see who's clicked the videos. And if someone's clicked and watched one of our videos five or six times, well, that's someone we should be talking to. And the same goes for a broker owners. That's a great way to take a list of the people that you want to target, start a little newsletter, send out a weekly update, and then go in, send it out on Monday, Go look at it on Tuesday and say, okay, well, these guys all clicked five times and watched my video. I'm going to call them this week and say, hey, thanks for watching my newsletter. What did you think of it? You know, and that creates an even hotter lead, right? Like you've identified the person. They now know who you are because they've recognized your brand in an email. They've clicked through to your website, watched a video. That person should be called. It can go on a separate list even. 
100%. Yeah. And we've built that into BrokerKit for the BrokerKit users out there where, you know, you can send videos through the platform these days. We added that. Uh, it's slick. And uh, you can track the clicks, see who watched the video and follow up with them. Those are definitely going to be your most engaged. But then back to, you know, texting and calling to me are, are part of outreach. Uh, we also recommend, you know, for emails, sure. e you know, using emails, but judiciously. And then um, also social media touches. Like we recommend multi-channel, multi-touch outreach. That's how you're going to get people. Um, emails, a lot of people kind of default to, hey, I'm going to send out an e uh, email newsletter once a quarter. And hopefully there are going to be a lot of hand raisers that want to join my brokerage because <laughs> I had a really great newsletter. We find, you know, you need to carve down to that territory, back to the MLS data. If you're looking for experienced agents, build a territory and searches around who are your ideal agents from a geographic and production perspective. And you know, in terms of outreach, a cadence that's multi-touch, because um, it's hard to get people these days. Um, and they you typically get them after a few touches. But also, you know, think of email. E email should be part of it, but conversational emails work better. And um, think of them as warming people up for a call, right? So when you call them, they might have seen the email, and they're a little warmer by the time you call them. Social media touches work great also. Um, LinkedIn works especially well. People the, the response rate on that's much higher than email itself. And people are much more likely to read a LinkedIn message than they are email. Uh, but at the end of the day, all those are really warming people up for a call. I mean, the call is how you're going to sure. get, get them interested, start the conversation. But the other, but, you know, if you're call if you have a warm call versus a cold call, it's going to go better, basically, by warming them up with the other, you know, touches. I think what you can also work in there that's super important that a lot of people just forget about or they're too scared or whatever is shooting a personalized pitch video. You know, you and I were talking about this before we got on this call. Yeah. I think it is the future of all business, really. You know, sure, you can get people on a Zoom call eventually when the appointment is, is going to happen or that type of thing. You need people in person. But if you can put together a video where you talk about the person's business, identify their farm area, why they're at whichever XYZ real estate company and how much better it will be for them to come to your company and do that in 30 seconds maybe 40 seconds max. It could be on your phone. It could be shot anywhere. Maybe shoot it in your office. Maybe shoot it outside, whatever. Send it to those prospects individually. You know, And if you use a product like BombBomb or obviously use a product like, uh, like BrokerKit here where you can track when they've watched the video, that type of thing is fantastic because then they're like, wow, this guy sent me a video? Like my, my manager hasn't done that ever. You know, I just joined this office because I thought it had a cool logo. Anyways, right. I just think it's a great tip these days to just really focus on the video content because most people are not into it enough yet. And I don't know why, because 98% of the traffic on the internet is video. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I would also add that if, you, if you're already prospecting into a territory that you bit off of MLS data, you know a lot about these people, right? So you know, sure. who, you know their name, their, uh, their uh, contact information. If you're a broker, get your user, you can look up all their social handles, right? Look at their social profile. But you know their production, right? Which is unique to the real estate industry. That doesn't really exist in any other industry, right? So if you're reaching out no. in a video and you mentioned some things like, I know you sold you know, X, you know, six units in the last 12 months, I think with our coaching program and our leads, we can help you double or triple that. Your response rate's gonna be super high, right? If you mention their name, their exact numbers and how you can elevate it, you're, you're gonna get the appointment. Uh, they're, they're, they're gonna for be sure. interested to hear what you have to say for sure. For sure. And if you see that they're struggling and point that out in the video too, that can also be good because it's a pain point. Hey, I saw it, you know, last year you did this many deals, but in the first six months of this year, you've only done this many, what's happened? You know, right. everybody else at your office is doing great. Anyways, it's it's targeted marketing, but I think it's it's taking it to a new level when you do a personalized right. video. And you can you can host it anywhere. That's the thing. And you can send it via text as well. Even if you don't host it somewhere, you can just shoot it on your phone and send it away. And it's perfect. 
Yeah, 100%. I'd say the other play would be if you're a 100% commission firm and you see that people really kind of crushed it, right? And their production didn't go down, it went up. Maybe they're a good candidate, right? Because they're kind of worried how much money, uh, you know, is going to the brokerage and, and, and they're split, right? And it's a good time to initiate that yes. dialogue, right? And if you say that, if it's in a video and you give the exact numbers and say what you can do, um, you're, you're going you're gonna to have an extremely high response rate and get people in there and they're going to be interested to hear what you have to say. Okay, awesome. So now let's talk about the appointment. You got them interested. Um, you set an appointment. They're coming in for the office. How do you plan for it? How do you run that meeting? How do you, how do you close them? Well, you know, I always think it's good to have something on paper when someone comes into an office. Maybe that's a bit old school of me, but I think that's always the last thing that people do when they're when they if someone's coming down the office to talk to them about the office, talk to them about joining the office. Maybe they have a presentation that's a slideshow that they can show them on the on a screen or something like that. One of the things that I used to do that provided me a lot of success as a professional recruiter is because realtors are so used to seeing a listing presentation and doing a listing presentation, well, at least the realtors you want, um, you know, that is something where they're receptive to that because they're used to that type of input output kind of a scenario with a client. So if you can come up with like a listing presentation for your brokerage, a recruiting presentation, and sit there and kind of thumb through it and show some of the benefits and things like that and present it to them like a listing presentation, they get it, they understand it. Plus, even at a higher level, they may be like, wow, this guy's really catering to my value system because I have to do this every day. I'm out there doing these CMAs. I'm doing these kind of listing presentations to push my business along. This guy gets it. He's actually giving me some stuff on paper to look at. I find that nobody ever has anything prepared. One of the things we always talk to the clients about is like, great, we're going to float people in the door for you now a couple of times a week. What are you going to show them when they come in? Oh, we've got a video of this. Oh, I'll take them for coffee down the street. Do you have anything laid out in a, not just a PDF that you can actually print off and show them? Oh, actually, that we've been working on that for about a year. We don't have it yet. I think it's a great tool to have because then when they leave, they've got it in their briefcase or under their arm. They've got some sort of a, you know just marketing materials about your office that are maybe more personalized to them. One of the things I used to do is I would print their name on it too and give them a personalized offer, create like an offer sheet where it's not just like about your fees, talk about what they get for coming over, right? And itemize it by line. You know, you're going to get new business cards. You're going to get new signs. You get a website. You're going to get training with our mentor. You're going to get this and that. And you can just spot and, you know, use the boardroom whenever you want. You can use all of our locations. You can really create a long list of value for somebody about your office without having to cost any money, right? Like it's really just things that you're doing internally anyways. And then get them to sign off on it. Get them to sign on the dotted line, you know, to quote Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, because that's one of the things, you know, that I think also helps them really look at it like a deal is being made. Okay, I'm making a deal to come to this office, you know, and it gives them some kind of security that you understand what it's like to make deals. A lot of our worst clients that we've had in the past five years are people who've never done a deal, never sold anything, never made a deal in real estate or any kind of business ever in their lives. And they're trying to convince somebody who makes $500,000 a year to change offices. Well, that is going to be very tough for them because they've never sold anything in their lives, you know, and you're sitting there trying to sell a brokerage, right? So the best thing you can do, especially for people that are inexperienced like that in the sales realm, is to have the documents together. So it just looks like you know what you're doing at the very least. And especially if you're doing admin at an office and the recruiting of responsibilities have been shuffled onto you and you're not the broker owner, get those kind of documents together so that you've got a bit of a recruiting presentation when they come in and then an offer, right? Rather than just like, well, what do you think? You know, like it, it, it's got to be something tangible, I think, still to this day. Sure, 100%. Okay, so then in that discussion, what are some of the common objections they should expect to hear and how should they handle them? I'm happy where I'm at. 
<laughs> right? That's the number one. I'm happy where I'm at. And then you got to come back with them. Well, great. We only want happy agents at our office anyway. So you'd be a great fit for our team. You know, it's okay to be cheeky with them, I think. But, um, you know, it, it depends on the agent. You've really got to have a look at who they are and what they're doing. If someone is trending down and they used to be a heavy hitter, you want to come in with some sort of a rescue thing. Maybe someone is becoming a heavy hitter and they're spending too much money at their current office. Well, maybe they can save some money by coming to your office, that type of a thing. I think it really needs to be done on an individual basis per recruit. You can't just create like a blanket script for all of them. You've got to really sit down, look at what they're doing, look at what their business is like. Maybe they need specific help with their marketing. Maybe it's it's other things where they need leads, where they want to start sitting in open houses with other, you know, for other uh, realtors within your office and they need help that way. So they need to meet more clients, lead generation, that type of thing. Maybe people need more help with admin, right? Their, their current office doesn't have any admin to help them out with how many transactions they're doing. Well, your office can cover it off, right? Every single person, every agent needs to be looked at like an individual sale and treated that way, I think. 100%. So how do you close them, right? So you you get them in the, the appointment, you wow them with your, your listing presentation, which is really a recruiting presentation. Um, it is, they're yeah. excited. They're, they're excited to, to join. Um, how do you close them? How do you get them to sign on the dotted line? I would say, ask them, you know, what would it take to get you to change offices? You know, what, what, what would make you feel more comfortable to join our office there? You know, that type of a thing, obviously going for the close with the offer is one way to do it. Hey, you know, sign this, let's get started. You know, if you sign this piece of paper, we're going to change. I guarantee we'll change the way you're going to rec- you're going to sell real estate. You know, we guarantee that you'll be happy here or X. Well, it doesn't have to be financial. It could just be, you know, we guarantee you're going to have a better experience at our office than you're having at the current one. Just using that terminology gets people to feel more comfortable, I think. And so I listen to a lot of different, you know, audiobooks and things like that, where people talk about sales and closing and things like that. And I've got my own opinions about it. But when it comes to closing a realtor coming over, it could take five appointments. You know, I remember when I left Remax, it took me like a year to bring over this lady that was doing a million bucks a year in commissions. And she wanted all of her signs done. She wanted all of her bus benches switched over. She wanted a private office and et cetera. But when she came in, she ended up doing a million and a half commissions that year for that office. So geez, guess what? They didn't care about all those little extra expenditures. You know, it was all worth it in the long run, you know? And I think that's one of the things you look at when you're, when you're bringing someone in, what do they need? How can I help them, you know, close them? And maybe that's something you have on your little offer. You know, you've done the presentation, you bring out the offer, you know, with, with their name on it, you know, and try and get them to sign on it and make their commitment. Maybe there's some things in those line items that really cater to what they need. And you can draw from that by looking at the data and looking at what kind of production they've had and really personalize it and take it to the next level. And again, some people are not closers. You know what I mean? Like that's one of the things that, you know, we've run into, like I was saying, with with all of our hundreds of clients across North America is sometimes someone does not want to do this job. Some people do not want to recruit realtors, but they get that job at the office because well, you're doing this now. <laughs> you know, you've got to tow your weight around the office. You've got to help us recruit. And it's the last thing they want to do. So that can really affect a person's ability to close is their whole demeanor and personality and things like that. So having the right person in that meeting can be the very first step, right? Like if you're trying, if you're the broker owner and you're a busy guy and you're trying to not sell anymore and you're trying to delegate in the office and people are taking your meetings for recruiting when it should be you doing it and they're, you're wondering why no one's coming in, it's because those people are terrible at it. You know what I mean? And that's just the long and short of it, right? Like if someone is terrible at something and doesn't want to do it, make sure they are not in your recruiting meetings because then that potential recruit will go tell everyone at their office and whoever they meet in the next three weeks that they had a terrible meeting at your office. The person who's there doing the recruiting doesn't know what they're talking about. And there's no way that I would join XYZ Realty, you know? 
at, at that point, you know, what you really need to do is just be the broker owner and take the appointment. You know, that's one of the things I always found even back in the day when I used to recruit for Remax, the end meeting was always with the owner of the office because they are a closer. If you are a person mm-hmm. who can keep a real estate office alive, you are a closer for sure, because you're either closing on business or you're closing on recruits. And either one of those two is very attractive. Some of the best people we've worked for are still selling brokers, right? Like you're still selling real estate and you know these people from being out in the field and they like doing deals with you. Well, guess what? Those recruiting meetings are gonna go that much better. You know, you can talk about deals you've done together, talk about deals that went sideways because of the cabinets or whatever, that type of thing. Talk about the market, find a common ground. That can't always be found when You've hired a recruiter to sit in the office who's a failed agent who couldn't sell any real estate, but now they're going to recruit realtors. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Well, and like I said earlier, if you're working on anything other than vision, talent, and making sure there's money in the bank as a, as a broker owner or as a leader in a brokerage, you're working on the wrong things, right? You need to it's delegate true. them, get out of it, right? You need to be spending time kind of recruiting, right? And when, you, when you're focused on bringing, getting money in the bank, that's recruiting too, by the way. Right. Because it's true. That's where the, re- the revenue for your, your firm's coming from is uh, Absolutely. producing agents. I talk to people all the time that say that I'm floating this office for my own sales. And I find that's tragic. You know what I mean? If I did that with my company here, if I was just floating this company on me doing the recruiting calls, my God, like, forget it. I wouldn't have a company in this fancy office downtown Vancouver. I wouldn't be talking to you. But because I've delegated smartly as an entrepreneur and I've got a great executive staff that helps me run these people every day that do calls, you know, we got about 25 people in the call center now, much like a real estate office has 25 people. If my uh, recruiters are not performing, they are not going to get to keep their jobs and their clients are not going to be happy. So we're super focused on production and a, and a real estate office should be the same way. You know, if you've got dead weight or people that are negative in there or that aren't going to be doing any good anytime soon, as far as, you know, joining your office, get rid of them and try and bring somebody else in who's going to be a better fit because one bad person in the whole bunch can, as we all know, spoil the whole vibe of an office. And it's extremely important when it comes to real estate. Okay. Well, and you touched on recruiters. I mean, let's, let's pull that thread for a minute. So, you know, a lot of the brokers are out there considering bringing their own recruiter on, right, to at least increase kind of appointments. They probably need to stay as the closer, but maybe they want more appointments. What should they be looking for in a recruiter um, and how how should they set goals for them? Like how to, what's a good fit for, you know, a real estate recruiter? Yeah, well, let's go with like an average MLS where there's, you know, like 5,000 people or something like that, or like 2,500 people in the MLS where there's a good number of people to call. I think finding the right recruiter to hire for your office is going to be expensive right away, right? Prepare to lose money on them for three to six months because there's no way, unless they're coming from a real estate recruiting background, they're going to have it figured out. If you think you can hire someone that hires and recruits for tech or sales or any of the other jobs where you're offering people a salary, they're going to fail miserably at recruiting realtors because they don't realize that it's sales. Everything that has to do with recruiting is sales. You're selling the brokerage right away to that person. So I always look at our recruiters if they have a sales background. Most of our recruiters have a sales background or some sort of phone background that, so they can do calls very well. And I think that that's something you should look at if you're looking to hire somebody. If you can afford to hire somebody full time and pay, you know, three to $5,000 a month to have somebody around who's going to sit there and do the calls and hang around the water cooler and hopefully be some sort of a good vibe at the office, they should be, you know, producing pretty quickly. And the thing is, if someone has a sales background, they should be able to, you know, translate that into recruiting pretty quickly. Like I did, you know, I had done sales before I came into this, you know, and learned how to recruit and then obviously started my own company 10 years ago. But the whole premise of it all was, is that I could sell. 
you know, and that's one of the things I think when when people look at a recruiter, they should know that they can sell or they've got some sort of a sales background. If you're hiring a realtor who's never done a deal and has been in the business for five years and you're going to say, why don't you just try recruiting at our office for a little bit? That is going to suck and it's not going to be good and they're not going to do a good job because they're just looking for a way to get out of selling real estate. They're looking for a way to get out of the responsibility of sales because it is such a responsibility and it is so much work. You know what I mean? Like, you know, people that do well, like it's just, it never ends. It never stops. And so when you're looking for a recruiter, you're looking for somebody with upbeat personality, somebody with some sales background or maybe customer service, or maybe like someone who is a great waitress or waiter or service industry personnel, that type of person, you know, if they're, if they're changing careers, look for somebody with a magnetic personality. Don't look for somebody who's just like, trying to figure it out because that's the face of your company. These are the people who's going to be making the first touch with all of your recruiting prospects. And that has to be really good. Otherwise they're just going to be a waste of time and a waste of money. Right. And, you know, just like any sales job, they need to be, uh, they can't be afraid to pick up the phone and call people basically. Absolutely. So, you know, as, as discussed earlier, calling is a big part of recruiting. It so is. what kind of goals should you set for a recruiter? Like, uh, you know, you bring them on board, what kind of activity metrics should you be setting in terms of appointments set, you know, hires, calls, emails, like what, you know, and, and, you know, obviously if they're not in the industry, there's a ramp period, just like any kind of sales role. But once they hit production or say after that three to six month period where they're up and running, what should you be expecting them to do in terms of activity and, and results? Yeah, I mean, again, depends on the marketplace. But, you know, if you've got a good recruiter, you know, they should be recruiting three to five people a month, you know, and the thing is, is they should be doing, you know, two to three hours of cold calls and warm calls a day, and then their afternoons and, and the rest of their day should be with appointments and follow up and that type of thing. If they are good at generating marketing pieces and things like that, and helping you with that aspect of the business, that can be great, too, because then they're specifically coming up with recruiting style marketing pieces that you can help send to prospects and things like that. And they can be following up on their own. But I, I think you know, just the basic metrics on us, right? If we did, if we do an hour of calls every day for a client, which is how it starts with us, we're trying to do 20 or 30 calls in that hour. And we're trying to book two or three appointments that week, right? So if we can book over 10 appointments a, a month, you know, for a client, you know, by just doing an hour a day, you should be seeing increased metrics on that for someone who's sitting inside your office, actually making the calls and trying to bring them down to meet with you. I think that it should be closer to an appointment every day, at least, or two appointments a day. If you've got somebody there who's actually vested interest in the office, who's getting paid bonuses and things like that, because at the end of the day, they should be getting a taste of that commission sales as well, right? If you're trying to bring someone into the industry and they're a salesperson, but they're not a realtor and you want them to help recruit, give them targets, give them like actual basic metrics to follow in and ramp it up month after month and see if they can keep up with it, right? Because at the end of the day, they need to be doing two or three hours of calls a day. You know, some of those are going to be cold, some of them are going to be warm, but the rest of it's going to be, like I said, doing follow-ups and taking appointments. And most of those appointments for like, for good reason, should be with the broker or the manager. They shouldn't be with the recruiter. The recruiter should be like a window or a door into the business, you know, and, oh, well, thanks for coming down today. You meet them at the door. Yeah, thanks for, you know, returning my call and everything like that. That's great. You want a coffee? How about a water? Well, we'll sit you down here and Bob will be in here in a second and you guys can chat. And then the recruiter can either stay in that meeting or get back to work. You know, that's one of the things we always find with recruiters who get repurposed in the business is they don't end up being producers, you know? And so that's something to be very careful of when you're taking on a big expense like that, especially in, in the two or three years to come here where things might be a bit lean in real estate. Maybe it's time to just look at hiring someone who just does calls, you know, or just does emails, that type of a thing. Because at the end of the day, if you end up having a three to $5,000 expenditure, that's 50, 30 or 40, $50,000 a year 
right off the top and they're not producing, well, that's going to catch up pretty quick. 100%. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, we talked about, you know, a lot of kind of tips of how to, how to get those leads, how to, um, you know, get the agents in for an appointment, how to close them. Looking at the, the top performers in terms of re real estate brokers out there, what are they doing that we didn't cover today? Like what's, what's unique about them that, that really sets them apart. And they, these are, you know, going to be firms that are really have, you know, rapid growth because they are just really firing on all cylinders from a recruiting perspective. What's unique about them? What's different? What do we not cover that about, you know, they're doing what they're doing so uniquely? They're doing it. That's, that's, that's the bottom line, Jim. They're actually doing it. I mean, how many times do you or I talk to people every week where they're like, oh, I'm just, ah, I'm just really behind on my recruiting. I've got to, oh, I've got to get started on it sometime soon, you know? Right. And it's like, well, no, that's not how it is, right? Because you don't treat your real estate sales like that. You don't treat, you know, caring for your current realtors like that. You've got to treat it as an absolute must. It is a must. It's not a should have, right? That's one of the things that I think a lot of people look at recruiting. Oh, I got to get around to that. Well, you know, people are coming in every once in a while on their own. It's like, well, how many people are right. – I'm sorry, I'm doing these funny voices. But, you know, it's, it's, it's silly sometimes. Oh, some people just think that people will just walk through the door these days when there's so much competition out there. With everybody fighting for the same agents, you've got to really show that you matter and that you care. And that can be with your brand. That can be with the personal touches from the owner of the office, right? Like I still think that's one of the biggest ticket items when you're trying to sell this is getting that – owner to connect with the potential recruits. Like I tell you, it, it ends up being a lot better usually than most of the managers or even the recruiters, right? Because that guy has a vested interest in his building, in his business. He's done it for years. He cares. He loves it. He loves the business. And that kind of infectious, yeah. you know, wonderfulness is something that helps people feel more comfortable and disarmed and more ready to move. You know, and so we see that a lot of the time. I have a client that I won't talk about. He's with a big brand. We love him really, really nice guy, you know, and we've been getting him some appointments that are working out. He's like, he's recruited a couple of people, but everybody on his team is a nightmare. And I'm not trying to be rude or mean or anything like that, but they are so disorganized. I cannot believe that they have an office with that many people in it. And I'm not going to say where they are, or what brand or anything like that, but this guy super cares, right? He just super cares about his office and everything like that. If you talk to him, like, God, I wanted to join his office. You know what I mean? But everybody underneath him is just a fluster clock, as we say, you know, they, they don't know, they don't know what's going on. You know, when we onboarded them, you know, Oh, we sent you the list two weeks ago. It's like, well, no, you guys never sent a list. What are you talking about? Here's all the emails. Oh, well, uh, you know, and just excuse after excuse after excuse. And we're just like a hired partnership. You know, we're just hired to do the calls. What are they going to be like with a realtor who's coming in there? They're going to look extremely disorganized. They're going to think, Oh, well, poor, We'll just call him Steve, the owner. That's not his real name. You know, like, I like this guy, but like, if I'm going to come in here and deal with all this cacophony of people who are inadequate, I mean, I mean, God bless him. I just can't, I can't put up with that. Right. And so that's one of the things where I think you've got to really look at, and I know it's hard for some people because you end up liking the people that work for you and it's hard to turf them and it's hard to like check them and stuff like that, but you have to, you know, you have to. Right. It, it's a whole image. And with something that's so public as real estate, everybody knows what everybody makes. Everyone can see what everybody's made the past year. All you have to do is go to the MLS. You can see how many deals are being made, all that kind of stuff. That is not as important as when a guy comes to an office or a lady comes to an office. They like the owner, but then everybody that's in there is just a quagmire of inadequacy. And that can really destroy your reputation and your ability to close in a heartbeat. And and I know it's hard because sometimes you're like, well, this manager's been working for me for 20 years. I mean, he's never had a lawsuit or anything. It's like, well, then don't get him to do your recruiting. 
You know what I mean? Don't get him to be the person who onboards the people and come into the office and be the first touch because he's not going to be any good at it. Do it yourself or hire somebody to do it that's super, super jacked and super excited about it. Because otherwise, if you look disorganized, you're not going to be able to keep them for long because someone who's really organized will come in even after you've recruited them and steal them from you because they'll look like they've got their shit together and you don't. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, I totally agree that like just showing up is is the biggest part, right? And that's what's really going to separate you, right? And it's more of a mindset thing. And just, uh, it's about time management, time blocking. And, you know, typically the things you're least, you know, least comfortable doing in a given day is exactly what you should be doing first, right? And that's probably picking up the, picking up the phone and calling people. And so you talked about, you know, a, a recruiter, should be, you know, making calls two to two to three hours a day. How many calls should they be making in that period? Um, just to have like an act, a specific activity metric that you can kind of hold them to. And then as a broker owner, you know, or uh, like a managing broker of an office who also is managing, you know, kind of like the sales side, agents, retention, you know, all those things. How many? What should they be blocking in their calendar? How how long and how many calls should they be making? Right? If you say they need to be showing up, what does that mean? Like, what, you know, because how do they translate that into specific goals that they should be setting on the on a weekly and daily basis? Yeah, if you've got a professional recruiter in your office and you're paying them for full time, you know, they should be doing 100 calls a day. You know, some of those are going to be cold calls, some of those going to be warm, but either way, they're just every day they're getting on the horn and they're making 100 calls. You know, I think that's a great place to start, especially if you're paying for somebody full time. And that person's dedicated job is that they're not like the manager who has to deal with 100 agents a day and deals coming through and signing checks and litigious matters and all these types of things that they have to make sure that they're keeping the office on side of the legality of things. That person might just not have the time at all to do these calls. And so when they hop on to do five or 10 calls that they have time for, those calls are going to suck because they don't want to do them, you know, and that, that could in effect, just ruin your whole recruiting plan right there. You're like, Hey, Bob, you know, you've got time to do these calls every day in between your meetings. Can you just, you know, start hammering them out? It's like, Bob doesn't want to do that. Bob's already checking deals. Bob's got people coming by his office. Bob's got his own actual real estate that he's still selling because you don't pay him enough of a salary. So he's got to work his own deals. There's a bunch of things on top of a manager that can cause him to fail in recruiting. And and not so much for a dedicated recruiter. But again, that's going to be an added expense to hire a dedicated recruiter. And the dedicated recruiter, he should be doing 100 calls a day. He should be doing a couple of meetings a day, Zooms, in-persons, that type of thing. I always think it's a great idea for a recruiter and or a manager to pop by open houses. I'm a lot of places still run agent open houses every week, you know, before things get sent out to the public, before they hit the MLS, you can go around and meet the agents at their open houses and, you know, bring them a little gift, totally antiquated, but that's me. I like old school, you know, you show up at the, at the house. Hey, you know, I used to work for a guy who would show up with your new Remax signs. He would show up at your, at your house where you had already your house, you know, your, your signs up for your existing company and say, here's your new cards. Here's your new business signs. Why don't you come over? Let's talk about it. You know, assumptive sale right off the top, you know, but he was the owner. He wanted to keep pushing forward. He wanted to have a thousand agents, you know what I mean? And that's, that's just how sometimes it has to be is to push that needle forward. You've got to be aggressive. And if someone is just sitting there, you know, obviously with a bigger job where they've got to check all the deals and sign checks and make sure everything's running tickety boo, it might not be the job for them. That's where you hire the recruiter and you can keep an eye on them and make sure they're doing 100 calls a day. Make sure they're getting five to 10 appointments a week. Make sure that they're actually turning a profit when it comes to the end of it by recruiting people that are doing deals. If they're just going to focus on recruiting new people who are going to come in and waste your time and cost you a bunch of money, that's not as good as just getting one good producing agent. 
Okay, well, Rob, you know, I, that covers my questions for day, today. There's tons of things we could uh, talk about and, and keep going, but we'll wrap it up for today. But where can our listeners find you online? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're on YouTube and Instagram and everything like that, but uh, the portal to everything is probrokeragency.com. Uh, you can go ahead and check us out there. Like I said, we've got professional recruiters here that are based in Canada, and all they do every day is these calls, and they love to make them, and we love to make them for broker kit clients who've got the data already. <laughs> Because it's, uh, you know, that can be one of the things that people struggle with is is having that good data targeting people right away at the start. You know, a lot of people that like have independent businesses, they try and use things like Zoom Info, which will cost you $25,000 a year minimum to get, you know, however many people you want to get off of Zoom Info. It's much more realistic and easier to get in with BrokerKit and, and use a list from Trend Graphics or BrokerMetrics or wherever you want to get it, Realytics, that type of thing, and start focusing on targeting the right type of people. But if anybody wants to talk to me, head on down to ProBrokerAgency.com. Awesome. Thanks, Rob, for joining us today. And thanks for our listeners out there for tuning in. We hope you return for our next episode uh, with tips on how to ramp your brokerage by improving your talent funnel. And just think about some of the things that, uh, you know, the pearls of wisdom dropped by Rob today. And uh, think about where you're going to put, you know, just pick one and put it to work next week to help you think about how you're going to accelerate your brokerage. Thanks so much and talk to you soon. Thanks for having me on. If you enjoyed our show, please add a rating for us on Apple or Spotify podcasts. And be sure to come back next time to hear more strategies that will help you grow your business. Until then, this is Jim Turner. And don't forget, you need to put some of these tips to work today. Thanks for listening to the Broker Growth Accelerator podcast by BrokerKit. This episode was produced by Jared White from InPhase Media and created and hosted by Jim Turner from BrokerKit.